On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalem again Omgrev, Orkorn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, breaking news. The verdict on the trial of the century is in. Dublin crime lord Jerry de Monk-Hutch has been standing trial for the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel in Dublin in 2016. A former Sinn Féin councillor who admitted helping a criminal gang to murder a rival gang member at the Regency Hotel in Dublin six years ago has been sentenced to four years in prison. Gunmen dressed as armed police, men disguised as women, and explosive testimony from an ex Sinn Féin councillor. The trial of Jerry de Monkhutch had everything. But what have the courts decided is his fate? I'm Fionan Sheen, and today on this breaking news special of the Indo Daily, we finally get the verdict in the Regency murder trial. Joining me is special reporter for the Irish Independent, Paul Williams. Literally in the last hour, Paul Williams, Jerry the Monk Hutch has walked out the front door of the Special Criminal Court, a free man. Dramatic day. And the courtroom was was packed and you were literally on the edge of the seat for large chunks of it. It was. It was an extraordinary day. It was a seminal day. It was always set up as the gangland trial of the century. And here we had Jerry Hutch, true to form in a lot of ways, uh, looking as quite exotic as he always did with his beard. He's got a beard down, long head of hair, but strolling off into the afternoon traffic all by himself. Some guy randomly tried to escort him through the crowds of photographers. But Jerry Hutch is a free man tonight and there's a lot of people, I would say, going to be very, very happy with that result, none the least of which is, is, is Mr. Hutch himself. But a lot of people who were afraid of what was going to happen today were also looking at potential charge sheets coming their way. They're off the hook now. Now, two people who didn't walk free Paul Murphy, Jason Bonney, found guilty of effectively facilitating the murder. Yeah, they owned two of six vehicles that were used to take away the getaway gang, the the, the, the killers, the six-member killer the team from the Regency at the time. Yeah. And this is good old police work. Uh, it was they were Their cars were tracked on CCTV and uh, they, the guys were interviewed and the searches done of their cars and there was phone evidence and there was also the presence of a swipe card for one of them. They were seen by uh, on CCTV going into Buckingham uh, buildings. So, like, they were got banged to rights for good old police work. Um, and that was all based upon 
they, these are their cars. This, these are the journeys that these cars undertook. The judge said we were, that she was satisfied that they were driving the car at all points. So she was left with no doubt that, that they were involved. Absolutely here. no doubt whatsoever. The judges were really... Um, really quite remarkable and they started off as well you remember uh, Fiona they started off by saying by the way listen we may be judges but we're three women here and we have common sense Mm. and we're normal people and we know how the world works Mm. and now we're going to start unravelling this complex case it was incredible quite literally like uh, a novel almost uh, a chapter she she was she was reading out uh, across the day she also rejected uh, a number of assertions in the, the the Murphy and Bonnie case, wasn't buying things like that. A fob card was found in the back of a car, and that's the only only reason that that access was gained to that base of operations. Wasn't buying an alibi that was provided by by neighbours for for Jason Bonnie. Yeah, J- just ruling all that out. Well, we were down at the trial when Jason Bonnie produced this witness, um, two witnesses who claimed that William Bonnie, his his defence laterally was, and this was convenient because his dad was dead a number of years. He tried to blame his father basically mm. and said the father was driving the jeep on the day, and. Um, like when we were sitting there during the, on the last day of the trial, this this uh, evidence was produced on the second last day, and then the state did an unusual thing under the act. They brought in a rebuttal witness who was Paul Byrne, Jason Bonney's brother-in-law, who basically said on the day of the regency, he and his wife, wore, it, it, Jason Bonney's sister, had called her and did a tradition. They'd been on holidays up to the night before, and they always went around the next day to see uh, the mother and father, Greta and William Bonney, who both have, who sadly have passed away. But it was only laterally then that Jason Bonney decided to throw his father into this. Then there was the, the, the issue about the swipe card to get into booking and buildings, buildings or booking and village. That was the, in, in the possession of a Paul Murphy. Uh, and Paul Murphy, they, they made the point, well, you know, it's too much of a coincidence because he had this swipe card and it was literally, the, 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 there were numbered swipe cards. And the next swipe card up was Patsy Hutch, uh, Jerry Hutch's older brother. And in fact, of course, we'll be talking about that in a minute, but Patsy Hutch uh, looms very large over this trial. Yet across that morning, it was quite clear that the three judges of, of the Special Criminal Court were were crystal clear as well about who exactly carried out uh, this murder uh, of David Byrne. Quite clear that uh, it was carried out by the Hutch criminal organisation, that, that they planned and, and executed uh, this murder. We then went for a, a lunch break. And if you were, we were actually discussing this at lunchtime and, and you were saying one thing and I was saying, saying the other. But it was crystal clear that the judges had found these two individuals uh, guilty uh, of involvement uh, in in the murder. Obviously, uh, Jonathan Dowdall and his father, Patrick, have already been found guilty of, of similar charges. And it was... It was looking at that stage uh, like the judges were were accepting that the, the Hutches were behind this murder. But the afternoon, it kind of went quite dramatically from there. They did make it very clear, as you say, the Hutch organised crime gang exists and accept the guard evidence that it exists and it is, it is a functioning entity, but that it is run principally by Patsy. And they also said as well that effectively that well, it looks like Jerry Hutch came in on the latter part of this to clean up the mess. But that he was still like there was no doubt in the mind of the listener that he was a member of an organised crime group. One of the interesting things, of course, Fionn, is that you know there was evidence there, and in fact, uh, Brendan Graham, um, Jerry Hutch's uh, defence counsel, said this in the speech in his closing speech at the end of the trial. You know, there was evidence in those tapes, these famous tapes of 
him being in charge of the three AK-47s that were clearly proved and beyond all reasonable doubt, as the court said, had been used in the murder in um, in the Regency. Um, and also then that clearly he was in charge of a criminal organisation. The judge made the point, um, as well as the same as Brenda Grehans, that that is not what he was charged with. They put all their eggs in one basket to charge him with murder. And they based it all... Remember as well, before uh, before Jonathan Dowdall came on board last September quite dramatically to become a supergrass or a, a state witness, that um, the whole case against the two men, the two men who were charged with murder, Jared Hutch and um, Jonathan Dowdall, was based on the tapes. The Gardaí bugged Jonathan Dowdall's car in March of 2016, just three weeks after the murder at the Regency. And Dowdall was driving Jerry Hutch up to Stravan in Northern Ireland to meet dissident Republicans to get them to try and broker a deal with, with the Kinnahans to end uh, the feud. These recordings were pretty much central uh, to, to the uh, entire case. And the judge again explained why, why they accepted that uh, in evidence. But when it came to Jonathan Dowdall, Justice Tara Burns really wasn't buying it, was she? They eviscerated him. Like they basically accuse him of being a liar. They call him at one stage um, a ruthless, base, callous criminal, um, and which he was. Remember that there is this famous tape which he had secretly recorded while he was a member of Sinn Fein. He tortured a man who came to his home, and the and the judges in their judgment today went through in great detail the the really gory, horrific detail and harrowing detail of that appalling crime, which they called an appalling crime. Um, that he was involved when he was um, interviewed by the Gardaí in May of 2016 he was arrested for questioning along with a number of other people uh, about the Regency and then obviously about the, the recording that they found but the judges said that when they watched that that was played for the court uh, during the cross-examination and they just said he told lie after lie after lie and at this stage he was unaware that he'd been subjected to audio surveillance um, and she said, the, the judge said it was recording made for very uncomfortable viewing uh, in the manner that he told convincing lies is extremely concerning to this court, she said. And one of the questions she posed is who is the court actually dealing with? Yeah, there seemed to be this two Jonathan Dowdalls, one uh, individual, very confident, uh, as you say, carrying out callous acts, discussing other callous acts in, in, in the car, uh, with with Jerry de Moncutch, and then this other kind of cowering figure who's who's very evasive and uncertain about facts and so on. The big lies that the defence have now been corroborated beyond all doubt. Now, like the two lies they're saying was one that he that Hutch met him the night before the uh, attack on the Regency, and they handed him the key cards. Somebody got handed the key cards, and they said it was beyond, they believed beyond all reasonable doubt. Uh, that indeed somebody that doubted had got the key card and that an hour from the time he left the hotel and collected the keys, that th- that flat cap, uh, uh, Kevin Murray, Murray, one of the assassins, walked into the hotel. So that's an incontrovertible fact. But they said, for example, one of the other allegations was that he met Hutch um, immediately uh, uh, or two days after. Now, he was confused about which day he met Hutch and he claimed that Hutch confessed to him that he had actually shot young Byrne. But the point about it was that he said they recognised young Patsy Hutch, Patrick Hutch Jr., who was already has been put on trial and was uh, uh, his case was nollied, uh, thrown out because of the death of one of the senior investigating officers. But at that stage, they said it was impossible. It was the picture that was published in the Sunday World. It was impossible 
to make out Patrick Hutch's face because it was heavily pixelated, that picture. Um, so like liar, liar, so pants on fire right, so across the, right across the spectrum. So constantly the judge was saying that they had to be cautious about, about Jonathan Zaudal's testimony. Nonetheless, she was also saying, look, criminals carry out bad acts. That doesn't mean everything that they say uh, is is And that, is they, t- that they can wrong. tell the truth as well. Yeah. yeah. So Jonathan Zaudal, star witness, not so much. Ultimately, it does come back to this repeated point that was made by the judge that there is a difference in terms of what Jerry de Moncouch has been charged with here of being present and carrying out this act in mm. actively being one of the people who shot Byrne in the in the Regency Hotel. And in the end, that really wasn't accepted at all that that case was there. I mean, at one point, she's effectively saying you haven't even proved that he was in the country. Yeah. They said in the summing up, all these matters leave the court um, with the inevitable uh, belief that members of the Hutch organised crime gang meticulously planned the attack as an organised crime group. Um, But Hutch was charged very specifically with being involved in the actual shooting. Again, using their common sense, the judge said, you know, like Jerry Hutch at the time, he's only 60 last week, so we don't do the maths, he's in his early 50s. They're saying that uh, when you look at the CCTV of the the shooters, the two guys who shot David Byrne with the AK-47s, that they were far too sprightly to be in their 50s. Now, maybe Mr. Hutch might have taken umbrage at that because I believe he's quite fit himself, but um, I'm sure he wasn't too upset about that Shooter number one was was running around quite a lot and he was identified better. Shooter number two jumped up on top of the the counter uh, inside at the reception desk and jumped down again. So quite clear... As far as the judge was concerned, these were 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 younger uh, men. It it does ultimately, Paul, come down to right. So the Hutches carried out, planned meticulously, uh, and executed uh, th- this murder. Whether they actually killed the person they'd intended to or not is is a matter for for uh, another day. But as you say, Jerry Hutch wasn't accused here of being a member of a criminal organisation or of being involved in this murder. So why were different charges not brought against well, them? That's the thing everybody's asking and this is what's going to be the, the, the main topic of conversation over the next while because this was a this was a mega seminal event in the history of organised crime in this country. Like it was an extraordinary act for all these people to pile into a into a hotel in the middle of the afternoon with fire. and there can only be like that was as a result of the law of the jungle because people were being murdered mm. and that's the gangland law of the jungle but there can only be one law and that's the law of the land the law that we all have to adhere to um, but the point about it is that like there is prima facie evidence and that Brendan Graham more or less admitted this himself when he was doing the summing up. There was no evidence there to show he was in charge of a criminal organisation. That's a chargeable offence. There was evidence to show that he was very clearly in charge of the AK-47 weapons, which were proved beyond all reasonable doubt to have been the weapons used in the murder. And in fact, what the judges did say, I just found some of my notes here, they were saying, you know, um, they believe Patsy Hutch organised all of this, carried it out, and that Jerry Hutch, um, who was part of that organised crime group, kept stepped in to, to clean up the mess basically afterwards. Will there be fallout here for the guards and director of public prosecutions on, on foot of this verdict? 
Well, the Director of Public Prosecutions really isn't answerable about these kind of things, basically, because the administration of justice can't be, you know, suborned to politics or anything like that. So that it's 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 rather hard to be critical of them. Of course, you can be critical of the guards. The guards are used to being criticised all the time. This is this has been a very long and difficult investigation. But if people have been asking these questions, you know, ordinary punters have been asking this question from the time the trial started. You know, how come he isn't charged with other offences? Um, if an ordinary punter in the street is asking that question, and one wonders who in the DPP's office didn't ask that question, or did the Gardaí decide, or is there a possibility that Jerry Hutch may still be arrested and charged with um, possession of firearms? Just as a, on a reflective note, if Jonathan Dowdall hadn't um, decided to become a state witness, a supergrass, and himself and Hutch were put on the stand or put on trial just based on the tapes, well, there's a good possibility that uh, they bo- both could have walked or there was also equally the possibility that they both could have been convicted. So one could, you know, counterfactually say, well, maybe Jonathan Dowd or Jared Hutch tonight owes his freedom to Jonathan Dowd. If he kept his mouth shut, uh, this wouldn't have happened. So Jerry Hutch walks out the front door of, of the CCJ just over uh, an hour ago. Jerry, any reaction to the decision? This mane of, of grey hair. Uh, wearing a, a blazer, he walks up uh, around around the corner and gets in just uh, a taxi. Where does he go now and where does he go from here in terms of his career? I'd say the first thing he's going to do is going to celebrate his 60th birthday in style. I think then what he will do is he will leave the country and he will go back to live in his retirement. Um, he will continue to look over his shoulder but the Kinahan organisation has been emasculated they don't have the ability to hit anyone in Ireland anymore uh, but he will still be looking over his shoulder um, and he will certainly enjoy his freedom and I can tell you this uh, you know I haven't been watching him for over 30 years that's the last time you'll ever see him around the CCJ I'll put my I'll put a thousand euro on that would you know my friend Paul Williams thanks for joining me today And tomorrow, our Indo-Daily series concludes with a look at the intriguing and potentially damaging political controversy wrapped up in this case. There is, for example, footage on the Sinn Féin-owned social media channels of Jonathan Dowdall training for a charity white-collar boxing tournament that was happening in 2013. And alongside him, training also for that event uh, was Mary Lou MacDonald. I'm Fiona Sheen and today's episode was produced and researched by Gareth Mulhall with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.